Dingus and Dongus. Hey, Episode 7. Okay. It's uh, episode uh, 7 of the Dingus and Dongus debacle. Uh, I guess uh, this month where uh, we read Get Jiro was uh, printed in, uh, I think it was Vertigo? Yes. Written by Anthony Bourdain. The Anthony Bourdain. Uh, if you don't know who that is, well... You're, you're missing out. Yeah, <laughs> you're missing out. And who was the art by? Uh, Langdon Foss. Langdon Foss. Oh. And it was co-written by uh, Joel Rose. Yes. So part of me suspects that like Anthony Bourdain probably was like this is the idea we're going to do and these are the major points mm-hmm. now you write the rest of this shit for me is my assumption yeah so like <laughs> a little ghostwriter yeah yeah i don't know if that's true i don't know i mean i mean he is a writer he did write kitchen confidential right so but then again i don't really know how much experience he has with like comic books and scripting and stuff so maybe he like yeah. here's the story you make it fit into the yeah, media. Exactly. So, but um, what'd you think? I enjoyed this book. It's <laughs> fucking nuts. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> so the premise is like uh, you're uh, they're they're in a post-apocalyptic like U.S. Uh, the dominant forces of the country apparently is like food-based. Yes. Everything is revolving around food, and the uh, main character, Jiro, is a sushi chef out in, like, the sticks. Right. Well, they have it set up. Uh, this story takes place in L.A. specifically, mm-hmm. and there's different levels of rings, and the outer edges being poor, impoverished, scaling, right? Right. right. And, and it's really based, the type of food and the quality of food shows a lot of classism yeah which kind of parallels now a little bit oh huge <laughs> hugely yeah um but yeah the story follows uh jiro this uh this amazing sushi chef uh who works in the outer rings one of my favorite moments is super early on it's just these uh douchebags come into his sushi <laughs> shop and then start Dunking uh, their their sushi into uh, wasabi and uh, soy sauce, it pisses uh, Jiro off, so he chops, chops the head, head off. <laughs> but that set the pace for the whole fucking book. Yeah, like I read, got to that part, and I was like, oh, all right, this is what we're doing. This now. is what we're doing. Because <laughs> there's, oh man, yeah. But, okay, <laughs> I don't know if you noticed this, but in the same way he chops the the dude's head off, he also chops through uh, a cup. I didn't notice that. Okay. But get this. When he chops through the cup, it, it breaks into, uh, it looks like he sliced it twice. Oh. So there's three pieces of uh, uh, the cup flying out into the air when he only sliced once. Huh. He's that good. <laughs> well, I mean, and later in the book, it reaffirms when he chops the dude's arm off. Oh, yeah. And, like, cuts around the bone and... In, like, a split second. Yeah. It's <laughs> fucking amazing. So it's, uh, yeah, it's good. What's extra funny is I apparently, like, I've always heard there's ways to eat sushi and appreciate it and mm-hmm. the and all that. 
I don't know what they are, and I do what the douchebag did. <laughs> like, I put wasabi in the soy sauce, put the soy in, yeah. and I eat that shit rice down, because I didn't know you do a fish down. Right. <laughs> I I didn't know for a while, and then I learned, and I still do it the other way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll probably do fish down going yeah. forward, just because I assume you get more fish taste right off the bat. Right. I don't know. And it's, you're supposed to apparently, like, uh, pick it up with your with your fingers too right. instead of a chopstick but it's just like uh i'm so used to doing it this way and I'm, it tastes good yeah already I'm, I'm just gonna do it this yeah. way <laughs> and besides um uh, I, I don't i don't really well i don't know maybe maybe there's a sushi chef out there who will just like <laughs> or kick you out. Oh, yeah. Probably won't. I shouldn't go out. to Japan, is <laughs> what I'm saying. I shouldn't go to Japan. Well, I'll go to Japan. I, I plan on it. I just, I'm terrified to eat sushi there now. <laughs> so, uh, the the two uh, antagonists uh, of the it's, book. It's gang warfare. Yeah. With exactly. chefs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of the dudes is like, uh, it's like your stereotypical, like, Frenchy, high, high class. Uh, Chefy chef. And, well, he's an industrialist, too. Yeah. They're, the, the key component here is that one's an industrialist, globalist type of person. Business. Everything's about right. business. How and, to make money. Right. And then the other one is a hippie lady that's locally, quote-unquote, locally sourced, sustainable, farm-to-table right. situation. Yeah. Um, so, so the one guy is obviously just a shithead because... Everything is about money for him. Right. Like, he doesn't care about... He doesn't really care about what he's feeding people, necessarily, as long as it brings him money. Right. Well, I agree with that, but money's not the only thing. Money, making money off of all this bullshit, is priority for him. He also likes the proper way things are done, but yes. for him. Yes. Him, specifically. Yeah. He wants the good stuff. Right. Everybody else could go fuck themselves. Right. And that's that's uh, reinforced through that scene when he finally gets Jiro to come in because right. he's trying to recruit him. They go through the restaurant, and then it's just showing all the wrong things, like people mm -hmm. eating sushi, quote-unquote, incorrectly. And he goes on to say, it's like, that's just how it is out there. If you want money, that's how they do it. They're uncultured right. swine. And then he takes them to, to his, like, private uh, little area and, like, feeds them, like, really good stuff yes it's like look i get it like this is the good stuff and you can have it if you work for me fuck those other guys but like you know um the other thing though is uh the other side the hippie yep hippie lady that's a little more complicated because like on the surface like yeah you know organic and locally sourced stuff is good right but the problem is it's just so overzealous that, and overpriced from uh, what I can tell, right? What they're doing that basically they're saying if you're poor and can't afford this, you're a bad person. I didn't pick that up. Yeah, no, I could see that being the case, but yeah. I don't remember reading into that. I must have just. Uh, I mean, it's a I guess uh, extrapolation just because like she's up in in the inner ring, right? Where everything's super expensive. Yes. And she's saying, uh, if you don't eat this stuff the way that we do it, you're a bad person. 
Fair. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And then you obviously can't afford it because you're poor. Yeah, so you're a bad so person. So you're a bad person. Yeah. yeah. Okay. One of the things I really enjoyed, stepping back from the two mega chefs or whatever you want to call them, was the... Well, Jiro's small hole in the wall, good food. But mm-hmm. when he went to visit what I assume was a French restaurant. Yeah. And, like, that's... I feel like I belong in places like that. Right. In, in the real world. hole in the wall. little hole in the wall. Shit done great, but they're happy to have you appreciate it. Right. So it's not as pretentious, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's just people wanting to serve good food and make other people happy. Right. And then have some level of camaraderie. Yeah. Like, that's part of... Um, I think my growing up experience, I guess you could say, was like food is more than just go fuel. Right. Like it can be a social event or a bonding event mm-hmm. with a group of people or whatever. Right. So I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. I just really enjoyed that small scene. And fucking bummed me out when uh, when the dude got killed. Yeah. And it was like, oh. <laughs> but, but then again, you know, that was a whole catalyst for like Jiro. Going on his yeah. hunt. I, um, when, you see it a couple times, but I laughed when Jiro first chops the douchebag's head off in the very beginning, mm-hmm. and the cops come up, and they're not really doing anything. Right. But when they came up, it reminded me of clowns in a clown car. Because they're almost too big for the size of their car, and the car looks right. weird. And I just hate cops anyway. Right. So it's like, ah, what a bunch of clowns. <laughs> yes. Useless. <laughs> Useless. Exactly. <laughs> um, and also, um, when, I'm just going to call them gangs, the gang started going after Jiro mm-hmm. to finish him off or kill him. Right. I really liked the industrialist guy, the main guy, because he had like a flail, but it was like a walk flail. <laughs> just a handle, yeah. chain, and a walk at the end. <laughs> yeah, all their weapons are like just like modified kitchen utensils. It's perfect. It's amazing. <laughs> I remember uh, later on, Jiro uh, gets this like giant sword-looking knife, and I remember like those apparently are the 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 giant knives they used to like carve up tuna in Japan, and it usually takes like two people to to wield one. But yeah. he's just like yeah. swinging around by himself. It's, <laughs> it's like, like I have a sword now. <laughs> it was pretty cool when he went to take down the industrialist. Like, uh, I forget what it was, but like some special bird. They were gonna. He had like oh, the yeah. top chefs were around this table, right? And they were being served the special bird, and everything about it just seemed torturous towards the animal mm-hmm. and super hoity-toity pretentious stuff. And you had to have. Uh, uh, like a, a napkin, over, napkin your over your head yeah. to really absorb everything. Yeah. And I knew going in, I was like, he's just going to chop their heads yeah. off. And then he chopped their heads off. <laughs> it was perfect. That, that that whatever dish was actually in the Hannibal. They uh, they did that in, uh, oh, in the show, yeah. Did he chop their head off? Uh, no, I think they actually just ate the bird. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know if I could do that. No, it seems really gross. Yeah. Just eat the whole thing except for the head. Yeah. And they specifically said, just let the head dangle out of your mouth. Yeah. That's weird. I don't think I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you, how do you, Are the, like, chew the bird, yep. have the head, like, you, you were, yeah. it's, it's really awkward. And, and plus, like, you gotta drown the bird in whatever, uh, cognac or whatever first, and it's like, right. the whole process is just 
terrible. I, I wanted to know more about how the hippie people or the hippie gang like set up their vertical farming, right? They just yeah. basically had a big building. And you basically only really see a glimpse with the wheat field at the end and some sheep. Yeah. And then, like, there's a pig pen somewhere. So I'm curious how they handle this. The that It's, like, the hippies are just so fucking weird. Because, like, they, to me, they, they seem to, like, support veganism as well, right? Yep. But then they have pigs that they slaughter and and well i guess there's there's one point where it's just revealed that they're just fucking hypocrites right yeah, yeah. it's just yeah I, I don't know there's a lot of questions about about the hippies that i, I don't know i don't have answers to right but it's kind of neat that they 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 feed like people to their pigs yep i mean that's that's a trope that's been in a couple different yeah. things it's like bring them to the pigs yeah because apparently they eat everything. I don't know. Like, another Hannibal. <laughs> like, you just really love Hannibal. This I is do. the second episode. Yeah. It's good though. Hannibal's good. Hannibal's we we should just stop talking about Hannibal. <laughs> That's a whole. Unless <laughs> they come out with a comic book. Yeah, they probably have. I don't know. No. We'll look into it. Yeah. It ended. Jiro, Get Jiro ended kind of abruptly and weirdly to me. Because mm-hmm. the two head chefs of the rival gangs basically ran away and were this weird love tension situation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they were sitting in a sunset, I want to say, or on something like that. Yeah, just like a picturesque setting. And then Jiro and the sous chef lady Mm -hmm. from earlier are just back in their shop. Yeah, back in that that, um, the French French guys. guys But they're doing sushi now. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, did they just kill everyone? That's what I assumed. I did, too. Like, the inner ring, like, it's just, it's gone. And now that it's, it's, it's gone, they could, like, carry on doing their stuff without, like, worrying as much about, like, um, the supply chain, uh, or the supply being, uh, had their prices jacked up because of the inner ring. Right. I'd, I'd be curious... Because they showed, like, this, the people in the Outer Rings were what we would consider just fat Americanized people, yeah. right? And I remember seeing a lot of, like, styrofoam burger things. Mm. So I'm curious if that goes away now and all the fancy stuff comes out. Who I knows? Know. Yeah. Uh, as far as I can tell, there wasn't a sequel, but there is a prequel. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's not going to answer anything. No. No, it's not going to answer anything. (laughs) But But overall, it's a fun fun read. It's a fun read. The art is kind of boring. Yeah. But there's lots of blood, so that's cool. Blood and cool weapons. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And just a fun little neat story of classism, Mm hoity-toitiness, And murder. And you can you can tell like Anthony Bourdain was involved if you're familiar. Absolutely, with him. absolutely, yeah. So you can, yeah, yeah. He, you could you could tell he was he, you know, especially the the old sushi thing was like, yeah, that's Anthony Bourdain, and and his views on like food comes across very well yep. through uh, the comic. So. Oh, <laughs> I did also. 
like, it was just funny to me. Going when, I'm going way back now, when Jiro was first brought in with the industrialists and was walking through the kitchen, you could see the stereotypes of the chefs. Like, there were cowboy hat wearing people, grilling steaks. There were uh, presumably Japanese people with Japanese flag headbands right. cutting up sushi. Like, ah, really? Like, <laughs> you put the effort in? Okay, cool. I like it. Uh, I think people should go and get, get this book. I, I, th- I think it's worth it. It is. And, like, it's it was really just interesting how closely my thoughts on food were related to this. Right. It, it was weird to me. It's like, oh, <laughs> shit, okay. Yeah, yeah. Food is, isn't really about money or whatever. It's just, let's be happy. Yeah. And yeah. make quality shit. Yeah. Sometimes. You can yeah. still eat some garbage and it's yeah. good. But, yeah. And, and, you know, you fuck up once or twice. No big deal. Nope. <laughs> Third time you get your head chopped off. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Third time you get, yeah. Is Vertigo still around? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yes. Okay. I wasn't sure. I hadn't paid much of attention. Yeah. So. Now they're still uh, doing like indie press stuff, and like they they started doing like Sandman extended universe stuff. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So I haven't checked any of that out though. Me either. Uh, the album this month was uh, Dark Expressionism by the band Worthless out of New Jersey. Uh, it was released this year. On Under the Moon. Oh, that Under the Moon is the label. Yes. I just thought they had two titles. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no. Again, as with a lot of them, I don't know what the label is. Yeah. I've never heard of it before. But Under the Moon fits very well with the feel of this yeah. album. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. It's not Over the Moon. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. That is a true statement. <clears throat> uh, um, so my first impression of this album is Kyle would really like it. Kyle uh, Tomerum, yep. Tomato Gachi Boys. Yep. He would. Yeah. He probably already knows it. Like he, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's um, very atmospheric. Bunch of tremolo chords. Um, neat bass lying under, underneath the the chord Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, that's that is um, what I guess you could say is a trademark of the depressive, suicidal black metal yeah. sub sub genre. Right, um, is that guitar style and the bass? The bloom, bloom, bloom. Yeah, it's, it's it's well, I guess would it be insulting to call it fun? The <laughs> the music or the bass? The music. I, oh, yeah, yeah. I like. I don't see how it's like, fun at all. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, cause for me, it's like, did I enjoy it? Oh yeah, then it's fun. Okay. That, but that's a for this particular. It's, it feels a little weird to say it's fun. <laughs> yeah, it's enjoyable. Yes. Well, and what I especially like is the shrieking vocals. Yeah, it just sounds like someone. I don't know how to describe it. 
dying over and over in agony. It's (laughs) the person is not enjoying themselves. Right. Um, They're not. Or at least no, they're not. They're (laughs) not over the moon. They are under the moon. Far below the moon. Yes. Um, Yeah. uh, It it just like things aren't okay. (laughs) Right. Well, it's. Just agony. Yeah. It's shrieking agony vocals. Exactly. But, but it fits the music very well. One thing I noticed is they, they have some uh, pretty interesting uh, transitions that, like, I, I don't quite wrap. I'm not quite able to wrap my head around, but it sounds fucking cool. Yeah. Uh, especially in the third song. I don't know the name, but I know there's this one transition in the third song. It's just like, what? <laughs> that's neat. I don't know what happened, but that's really cool. Well, I felt that way. There's like right smack dab in the middle of track five. Mm-hmm. It's because you get this um, uh, ambient kind of, I don't know what to say, ethereal feel, right? Yeah. And then in the middle of the track five, there's a change, and it feels like there's actual riffing. Like, mm-hmm. it's constant riffing. The whole album's constant riffing. Right. But this one, it's like, I don't know if it's timing change or they just change scales a bunch. I don't know. Well, but I, really, I was like, oh, that stood out. That's cool. Yeah. And I like it all. I like the whole album. I can understand why people would get bored with it. Yeah, it's an hour and 30 minutes, yes. basically. And a lot of the songs are pushing 10 minutes or so. Yeah. Not quite 10 minutes on a lot of them. And it truly is an atmospheric experience. Yeah. So. And I, I appreciate it for not having, like, overbearing keyboards. Right. Yeah. That's, I think, definitely one thing that's, like, just overdone. Like, now, uh, unless, unless you're a Hail Spirit more. <laughs> well, well, that. That's a little different. Though. Yeah, it's different. <laughs> but, like, atmospheric black metal, you don't need all that keyboard. Nope. Nah. You, you could do just as well with, you know, guitar, bass, and drums. I did think it was a little predictable i don't know that the the numbered tracks yeah like literally title one two and three right in roman numerals were short acoustic segments yeah and i guess they put it there to break up so it's not an entirely monotonous experience yeah i i don't know they didn't need to be there no i don't know why they were there one of them would have been cool but yeah three of them is just I didn't need those. Filler, I guess? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Okay, um... So here's a thought that I had listening to one of the tracks. I don't know which one it was. It was later on the album. But it sounds like it was done. And then after a minute of it quote-unquote finishing, uh, they go back to another riff with vocals again. And a thought occurred to me is like, is this just a vehicle for poetry? I could see it being the case. Yeah. It's like, I have these words that I want to communicate, so I need this amount of music to fit the words. Well, isn't a lot of music that anyway? Not all, obviously, but like a lot of music just is a vessel for poetry. I don't know. I guess I always think of it as like music first, and then like, how do I put words in within this? Well, I, I suppose that's why it's an art form. Yeah. And people have different yeah, views people and ways methods, of, uh, you know? Yeah. 
But it's just like, oh, it just made me think. Did this guy come up with lyrics first, and then compose the song around like these these words? Well, I'm convinced this guy's had these types of lyrics. I admittedly didn't read any of the lyrics nope. Nope. at all, but I have an assumption on the vast majority of what they are, mm -hmm. and it's all sad stuff. Yeah. So this person has been making these lyrics for their whole life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're just living in their, it head. in their head. Yeah. And then this is how you get really sad, suicidal, depressive black metal instead of actually killing yourself. That's a release. Yeah. <laughs> they That's... were fucking phenomenal when I saw them at Shadow Woods. Yeah. It was 2017. And it was the same day. So it was towards the end of the day, and I saw Panopticon in the woods, which was amazing. And then Bastum in the middle of a field, which was amazing. And then these folks and another band, Zud, like in a little like camping hall room. Okay, yeah. And it was just a nice culmination of band after band after band. Yeah. And I immediately bought their album after. It was like A Portrait of Mankind. Oh, yeah. The album. Okay. So is this their second album? This or? is their second okay. album, yeah. And it's pretty much a continuation of the first, but better production. Oh, cool. It's very similar. Yeah. So. Is it a four-piece or? Oh, shit. I can't remember now. Three? Three-piece? I don't, I don't remember. Oh, wow. Well. Huh? But cool. they were really good. And I just, after hearing crunching, giant-stomping death metal and having lots of yinglings... And then going and seeing this band, it was just <laughs> phenomenal experience, those last couple bands. Hell yeah. Uh, which night was this on? Like the last night. Okay. So it was so the end. A good like, way to ah! close out this. Yep. Yep. Fuck yeah. And then I, how did I, oh, they were um, set to be support on a tour coming through town. Yeah. Um, but then obviously COVID fucked everything up. Right. So I was like, hell yeah. And I went and looked to see what they were doing, because they had a new logo, mm -hmm. and it's kind of like a chaos, weird, jaggy okay. stuff, instead of their previous logo, which was essentially the Bathory font. Oh, yeah. Basically. Oh, right, right. Um, <clears throat> so, I just like, what are they up to? And then they had a new album. I was like, oh, fuck <laughs> it. Let's do it. And I listened to it, and then we discussed what we're going to do. I was like, let's just do this. Yeah. yeah. So, what was the tour package? I'm trying to remember who they were supporting. It wasn't announced. Oh, what? I cannot remember. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the email somewhere. <laughs> but, but, yeah. I mean, if you like... Uh, ah, shit. What are those bands called? I had some recommendations. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not very familiar with yeah, this genre. There's like myself. Uh, something, something... Kill Yourself is, <laughs> is a band. Maybe some Shining. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm drawing a blank. Go listen to uh, Tomato. Tomato? Yep. Tomorum. Tomorum. Tomato Gachis. Tomato Gachis. <laughs> yeah, go, go listen to them if you like this stuff, because it's kind of the same, except um, uh, the, the little man's got really fast fingers. Yep. And it's music made by 12-year-olds yep. here in Atlanta, Georgia. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs>
Dingus and Dongus. Hey, Michael.